If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf betting system Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 189. We move from Mexico and Portugal to Texas and Dubai for this week's show. The PGA Tour plays the Hewlett-Packard Enterprise Houston Open with the European Tour enjoying its first of two weeks in Dubai. They play the Aviv or the Aviv Dubai Championship. Barry O'Hanrahan and Paul Williams join me, Steve Bamford to discuss this week's golf betting action. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning, chaps. Morning, guys. Please subscribe to this podcast and drive the popularity of the show. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more information. And of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world-famous golf betting system website with our in-depth betting previews. Masses of tournament statistics and our predictor models all available completely free of charge. There is no paywall. On Twitter, you can get Barry at a good talk golf. Paul is at golf betting. I am at Bamford Golf. You can join our golf betting system Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present the golf betting show every week. Please subscribe and like the shows. Now, you guys as listeners power this podcast, so we need your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of a future show. Leave your name and where you are in the review. Of course, we're getting closer and closer to Christmas, so if you could drop a few five-star reviews as Christmas presents for the podcast, we'd much appreciate it. This is this week's... And it's from the Langasque Fan Club. Roman Romain Langasque Fan Club. Five-star review is the title. It is five stars. We listened to the BMW preview last month. First-time listeners to the podcast for a few betting tips. Then bumped into you guys at Wentworth on the Friday on the 10th hole. Just as Romain Langasque knocked in a hole in one. You have gained a few new followers, listeners since. Loving the detail behind your picks and obvious love for the sport. Let's hope one day Big Remain gets tipped up. We will all be in. Keep up the good work. That's from Craig, Mark, Aggie, Josh and C-Rob, the Langasque fan club. Thank you very much, boys. Yeah, thanks, chaps. Yeah, it, was, it was great to catch up and have a... Have a chat with you guys on the tenth, and uh, yeah, to to see a, a live ace was um, was pretty special, Steve, wasn't it? It was the first one I've seen, um, and yep. uh, yeah, to uh, to be there to witness it was was really good. So uh, yeah, and thanks for the uh, thanks for the review, very much appreciated as ever. What do you reckon, Romain's uh, or Romain's? What's his um, what's his mo in your opinion as a Follower of the European Tour, where, where, what kind of, what kind of? I suppose he's French. It's difficult to tell, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, he yeah, could be going fishing for all we know, and then he turns up. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Eight miss cuts, and then they win. It's typically Gallic, isn't it? Well, I'm not sure he's quite a, a Victor Dubisson who. Uh, boy, Dubisson. Yeah, he, he struggles to make it past uh, round one when he does choose to turn up but uh, I, I, I mean, where's Roman going to contend what kind of courses I, does he yeah, contend on know, I, I'm not I can't remember having put him up um, much at all recently <laughs> I mean generally I, I'd put him down as more of a, a precise type but um, yeah it, it doesn't tend to be one he pops to the top of my thought process perhaps uh, perhaps having witnessed a bit of magic live I should review that next time uh, next time we're mm. on, a, on a tree line test uh, perhaps that's where it brings the uh, competitive juices flowing for Roman Langasque. But uh, yeah, no, one to keep an eye on. He's, he's, he's a talented boy. They're all, aren't they? You know, on their day, they're all capable. It's just uh, just picking the right weeks for these uh, for these chaps. Should we talk about last week? What happened? Uh, what happened on in Portugal? It was a good, my lord. 
a rarely spotted Thomas Peters <laughs> at ridiculously short odds victory. Yeah, he was. I was impressed with him down the stretch, though. You know, it's it's been a while since he'd won, and uh, you know, the, the European Tour hot potato Sundays are, are usually pretty uh, pretty commonplace. And well, to be fair, Matthew Pavon um, did have it in his grasp and and, and did let it slip. But uh, yeah, coming down the last few holes, Thomas Peters was good. He made a decent par save uh, on the sixteenth, fifteenth, sixteenth, maybe from ten feet or so. Decent birdie on the on the par five and uh, and managed to nail a twenty footer or so on the last to uh, to secure a two stroke victory. I mean, it still wasn't assured with um, with the final putts to be made on the uh, on the final hole with uh, with Peters outside of Pavon um, to, to to secure the title. But uh, no, he did it with did it with a plum. And uh, yeah, what twenty five to one? I, mean, I I I can look past him given his strike rate of late at that kind of price, but uh, yeah, fundamentally he's a, a very very strong player. He's a, at his best as well, you know, as well inside the top fifty in the world in terms of capability and, uh, and ability. Full stop. It just doesn't always yeah. pull it out with any consistency. But yeah, that is. Uh, well done to him, mate. He, he, he chalked up to be playing again this week, but he's given it a miss, um, which does take a bit of a dilemma out of the week because he has gone back to back, albeit with a week in between, uh, back in the past. So maybe one to keep an eye on next week, maybe. He's jumped up to 74th from 129 in the world rankings mm. with that victory. There you go. The sort that you would like on your side in a... Um, a Ryder Cup kind of stage at Beth Page Black, kind of yeah, it's... somewhere like that. So you know, one of those great big, um, um, crazily long Parkland classical golf courses that they like to hold the Ryder Cup on. Yeah, and he seems to have um, sorted out his um, temperament a little bit of late. And, you know, there's times gone past when we've seen very angry Thomas Peters, but uh, seems to have seems to have. Put a lid on that to a certain degree. Um, seems to be striking the ball better, and um, you know, with that, um, the rest of his game can fall in place. Uh, yeah, one to watch. I mean, he's, again, he's not one that jumps to the top of my thought process because he often does flatter to deceive, and he often gets away to decent starts in tournaments and uh, and drifts away from contending positions, and you know, often ranks as the favourite in these kind of fields or the kind of field that we saw last week, and. Uh, and doesn't convert, but um, but yeah, it was his week last week. So uh, well done to him, and well done to any Thomas Peters backers who kept the faith over the last uh, last couple of years. Over in the states last week, they had the Corn Ferry Tour qualifying tournament, and in T two was one Vincent Norman, mm. who's been playing some excellent stuff on the European Tour this year. So he's yeah. now got his Corn Ferry card for next season. That's very good. Again, once he's a very modern style golfer, a very long. You put him up in a tournament, I can remember. Yeah, but I've packed him a couple of times actually. But yeah, he's, he's one of these uh, modern style golfers. He's very long off the tee. He's a great putter, and when 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 those kind of players put a decent approach game or approach week together, um, they can be really really dangerous. And you'd have thought that PJ Tour, he may get the odd start, I guess. Um, certainly the Corn Ferry Tour, you'd have thought those um, kind of courses are going to suit him really quite nicely so yes one to watch for next year definitely I'm just trying to look for some names there that I uh, recognise Will Gordon Scott Harrington they were playing PJ mm. Tour last week Blaine Barber there's an old there's an old name he's got his card for the Corn Ferry next year Chris Baker the birdie maker he managed to get a top 14 finish Thomas Rosenmuller, he's German. Has he played uh, PGA? Has he played European Tour? Uh, Rosenmuller. Not that I recall of any any day. No. He might he might have played a couple of the uh, German tournaments, I guess. But um, yeah, no, it doesn't. Uh, not, not not to any great degree that I can recall. Brandon Snow, uh, Brandon Stone, rather, mm. and Jason Scribner were in that and didn't get Corn Ferry cards. Back to the European tour for those boys, then. Yeah, just shows you. And MJ Daffy, Daffy, is it Daffy? Uh, Daffy, yeah. Daffy. Yeah, he missed out by um, a sh- uh, he was tied fiftieth. So yeah, there's a few there. 
We had two short price winners last week with Peters. We also had Victor. Victor Hovland defended his Mayakoba title. So that's three PGO Tour victories now for Victor. All on Paspalum greens and all in tropical conditions. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, he's sort of uh, telegraphing his uh, his preferred style of tournament and course, isn't he? Can't play out on those kind of conditions every day of the week, and there's not many Paspalum courses out there on the uh, on either of the tours, really. Just the odd one dotted here and there, but he certainly seems to enjoy the surface and can uh, can compile a score when he gets uh, presented with those kind of greens. That's for sure. Here's a Victor Hovland victory set of numbers for you, yes? Bearing in mind, as we talked last week, he's that ultimate plotter, isn't he? He's eighth for driving distance, second for fairways hit. So let me get this straight. Long, straight. He was fifth for greens in regulation and was in the top ten for putts per round. He's going he's gonna to win, isn't he? <laughs> That combination kind of works, doesn't it? But yes, dominated really. I think he was. Um, it was interesting to see um, Thomas up there, but Thomas again. I keep saying it. This Achilles Hill, twenty-five of fifty-six fairways. He only hit forty-four point six percent of them, and that's going to just bring doubles and bogeys along with it across a length of a seventy-two hole golf tournament. And when you're shooting 23 under, we also said that last week, it was likely to be a record-winning score, and he beat Kuchar's record by one shot, 23 under for Hovland. And it was kind of over within the front nine. He was, he was, I think, at 1.5 clear, and they hadn't even made it to the turn. He reminded me of Sanjay Im's win a few weeks ago in Las Vegas. He did the same thing, didn't he? He just took control and had a, a, a four or five-shot cushion going down the back nine. Yeah, and just, just keep everyone at arm's length, and um, there's no stress then, is there? There's no, there's no worry that someone's going to come along and, uh, and and pip you on the last if you're three or four shots ahead all the way down the stretch. Nice if you're the player, player, if you're back to play oh, yeah. that kind of uh, that kind of ease. You know, it takes a lot of the stress out of a Sunday afternoon or evening if you're there. Just to paint the full picture, Hovland was fifth for scrambling and fourth for putting average. <laughs> <laughs> kind of works I had um, it was an interesting tournament I think my MO for selections was there or thereabouts I had Henley tying for second on Friday uh, getting to the turn on his round I'm thinking oh yeah Henley Henley and then he proceeded to um, well he started to struggle on a Friday double bogey bogey and you think oh Russell you have said to me um over the years, Barry, that he's so plastic is unbelievable, Russell Henley. Anyway, before I knew it, he was almost at the bottom of the leaderboard come Saturday. So um, it was it was a it was certain turn of fortunes for Russell Henley, but he's still up at his usual forty five to one this week. Well, pl- plastic plastic implies something a bit different. I mean, I think he's fra- I think he's a bit fragile when it comes fragile. to the heat of the battle. Yeah. Um... I, well, he, on a Friday, it's yeah. worrying when it's on a Friday, isn't it? Yeah. It's intense. I mean, you're only 37, 38 to 40 holes away from victory, you know? Yeah, and you know, all of a sudden there's doubles, uh, there's doubles on holes that people are birding. And, mm, okay. Yeah, he's on, he's been on the do not, but I think I backed him once this year. He just, it looked really obvious, but uh, yeah, he quickly got, he jumped off the X list for a, a week. He got a, um, yeah, he got a vacation off it for a week and then went right back on it. So, yeah, he's just on the do not back list. Too much emotional pain. I do have an announcement. He's now on my never back again post-it note. Is that the, one where, never... is that the one where Paul Casey sits? Oh, yeah. Well, you know that. You just say that for effect, Barry. <laughs> I know, but... Of course, Kay- Paul, Paul Casey sits at the top of the list. But you've let, you've let Paul Casey go on a lot of vacations off that list. Is there, is there, there's an asterisk by it that says Paul Casey majors, isn't it? Yeah, there's, a, there's an asterisk below it that says that on the odd occasion when you're feeling crazy, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can <laughs> them in your tips. But yes, he's, he, he's on the same list as Paul Casey. But I had three T10 going into Sunday. I had James Harm at 200 to 1. I had uh, Wacky Neiman. And who was the other one I had? Oh, Seamus Power, of course. 
So I'm thinking, oh, okay, you know, we get a couple of good rounds in, we might. And I, but in the back of my mind, I was really thinking, I guarantee they all cock up and I end up with nothing. So it was nice to see Joaquin actually put in a decent Sunday round and get a full each way payout of 52 odds. So, so congrats to Joaquin for that. But yes, I think my reasoning was okay. I, I had people in contention, but Victor just absolutely walked away with it. Um, and you've got to say one thing also, Carlos Ortiz defends this week his first maiden title that he won in Houston 2020. But you've got to say with Ortiz, when he plays at home at Mayakoba, that guy copes with the pressure admirably, doesn't he? It seems to inspire him because his results at that tournament have been fabulous over the years. And if I remember correctly, going back to Carlos Ortiz, I think one of his... Corn Ferry, it was called the web.com there. One of his victories was actually at the Mexico Championship. So very, very inspired when he goes home, Carlos Ortiz. So um, fair play to him because a, um, a lot of these players play their home opens or home events and totally collapse. Uh, Ortiz isn't one of those. But Interesting to see that Ortiz is shorter this week than Patrick Reed in the betting for the Houston Open. Yeah, there's a few that are getting yeah. prohibitively short, aren't they? Yeah, that's a bit of a strange one. Patrick Reed is a longer price than Carlos Ortiz. Right, we need to crack on. Let's talk, Paul. Aviv, Dubai Championship. Yes. Yeah, the final stretch now, isn't it, for the European Tour? Um, a doubleheader in Dubai to complete the uh, 2021 season. And, uh, well, right now it's all about the race to Dubai rankings. Getting to the top 50, or well, top 50 or thereabouts, it looks like from commentary last week, it looks like maybe 54th or 55th, something like that might make it through because it sounds like they're going to pick the top 50 available rather than a hard and fast top 50 only from the race Dubai to make it through to the earth course next week and um, so you've got top 50 or thereabouts to contend with you also got the top 122 or thereabouts that will retain their full playing rights for next year there's some complications with it of course Covid's had an impact with all of this and there's been announcements about a safety net for people who've got an existing card and they won't completely fall out of their playing rights but they'll They'll effectively sit below the players who do qualify um, for a full retained card in this top twenty, top one twenty-two um, by rights. So it's still well within a, a player's interest to make sure that they're in this, uh, you know, in the right side of the line, effectively going out of this week's event. Uh, but yeah, so lots to play for. Um, we're at the fire course, um, which is next door to the uh, earth course, which we're playing next week. The field of 114 is headed by, well, we've got joint favourites actually, Paul Casey, Tommy Fleetwood, both at 11 to 1 best price. Bernd Wiesberger, 18 to 1. Uh, Matt Wallace, 22s. Then we're into the likes of Minwoo Lee, 25 to 1. Dean Bermester, 28 to 1. Uh, Thomas Detry, Rafa Cabrabayo, both 33. Sam Horsfield, 35 to 1. Uh, and then 40 to 1 bar those players that I've just read through. Worth noting this week, Boyle Sports are attacking this event. They're attacking um, the event that you're covering as well, Steve. Um, I have got eight places each way at a fifth of the odds at the um, Aviv Dubai Championship. They're also for Correct. golf betting system uh, punters there's a link on our website for a an exclusive bet 10 get 30 pounds in free bets offer which is running for this week and next week only so if you do fancy having a boil sports account as part of your betting armory which given that they keep pushing these each way places out say eight eight this week on the uh, european tour and 10 on the pga tour well worth having um, pop along to the site of course full T's and C's apply but that's a bet 10 get £30 in free bets offer which is running just for us and just for the next couple of weeks only so be sure to take advantage of that if you fancy that account well on to the, the earth course the earth course the fire course then it's the sister course to next week's earth course um, which we're far more familiar with it's constructed from the same building blocks fundamentally as the earth course the same grass is shared between the two courses 
Um, similar kind of length, maybe a little bit shorter, 7,480 yard par 72, Bermuda greens. I mean, the fundamental difference between the two courses is that the fire course here this week sits on the edge of the estate. It's a little bit more exposed to the elements and it was designed really to have a bit more of a lynx-like feel to it. So aesthetically, there are some lynxy kind of features to it. Don't call it lynx. It's not going to be called, not it's not going to be classed as a lynx, but there are some features that you may recognise that look a little bit lynxy. And you sometimes get that with these desert courses as well, don't you? That uh, have a kind of wispy grass or, you know, very exposed anyway. And uh, if the wind gets up, they can lend themselves to players who tend to play well by the coast or on Lynx-style tracks anyway. But fundamentally, it's very scorable. You've got four par fives that present real birdie and eagle chances to the players. You've also got a couple of short par fours um, that the Bombers can really attack as well. And uh, looking at the weather forecast, there's nothing in the forecast to suggest that this won't be another birdie fest. I mean, we're looking at mid-80s Fahrenheit temperatures, maybe 5 to 10 mile an hour winds. You sometimes get it pick up a little bit more in the afternoon around these parts. And this is a little bit more exposed, this course. But even so, I'm expecting some serious, serious red numbers. And... Uh, You've got last, last, we've only got last year to dig into, but if you look at last year, it kind of brings it into, in, into context, really. The top five, Antoine Rosner won at 25 under par. He was a 60 to one shot. And then you had four players tied for second place, all shot 23 under par. Mike Lorenzo Vera, Francesco Laporta, Matt Wallace and Andy Sullivan all shot 23 under par. So some serious red numbers. From memory, Andy Sullivan shot off into a, a, a strong lead. I think he shot something like 61 on the first day and uh, looked very much the winner for three rounds before finally the uh, the flat stick started to, to just not be as compliant as it needed to be when, you, when you're making that kind of score, when you need to make that kind of score. But um, yeah, I'm expecting something similar. You know, low to mid-20s under par, that means a lot of birdies. What a conversion of maybe one in three holes you need to be. Need to be finding birdies and making as few bogeys as possible. If you dig, dig through the stats, and I've done a little bit of analysis on the on the preview, so you can uh, you can read through that to your heart's content over on the Golf Betting System website. Um, and I've dug into the top five finishers and how they finished in terms of traditional stats and strokes gained stats and uh, their par three, four, five splits, that kind of stuff. So you can have a real delve through it if you fancy. Uh, and to trying to pick the bones out of uh, last year's performance. I mean, I'd summarise it as saying that uh, fairways, they were pretty easy to find. 60% or more accuracy was pretty commonplace, even even from the most um, flagrant of players. 60%, 65% driving accuracy was pretty common. Um, scrambling stats were high. Again, typically 70, 80, often in the 90% bracket for scrambling stats. So... The challenge around the greens isn't massive, but um, you've got to keep your card as clean as you possibly can. You can't be making 10 bogeys and still expect to get to 25 under par, really. So bogey avoidance, um, you know, accuracy not such an issue. Antoine Rosner, he led the field for driving distance. So that gives you an idea of the kind of, the kind of course we're talking about here. You need to be attacking. Rosner was also first for strokes gain off the tee, second for strokes gain tee to green. So he did the damage with the long sticks. Uh, Andy Sullivan was second for strokes gained approach. So his um, his irons were, were the strongest part of his game. Uh, Laporta was similar to Rosner, fourth for strokes gain off the tee, sixth for strokes gain tee to green. And um, Wallace was a bit more balanced, really. He was sixth for strokes gained approach and fifth for strokes gained putting. Lorenzo Vera was first for strokes game putting, so I think I've covered all of the different combinations off there. In short, you need to excel at something um, and really put a, a good four days together, yeah. whether that's off the tee or with your approach shots or with your putting. Um, but in, in that one or two particular categories, you're really going to have to go hell for leather to get to that kind of number. Um Okay, digging through the course, the only thing that really stood out to me was par three scoring. And par fours and par fives were easy. The, the, the players were absolutely annihilating some of those holes. Rosner was 13 under for the par fives. Laporta was 12 under. Lorenzo Vera was 13 under. 
Uh, in terms of the par fours, Matt Wallace was 13 under, Andy Sullivan was 12 under. So scoring on the fours and fives has got to be a, a prerequisite, really. For the par threes, the field combined were 149 over par for the four days. So you've got a real disparity between the par fours, par fives, and the difficulty of the par threes. So yeah, maybe maybe playing. That's crazy. It is. It's, it's, it's a huge disparity. I mean, players yeah, who can you rarely see that. No, if if you if you can hold your own, you know, hover around level par for the par threes, and then really make hay in the fours and fives, and that seems to be. Mm. the kind of combination that's going to get the job done this week. Um, but yeah, as I say, there's, there's a, a, a kind of a deep dive into the top five and all of those different stats on the preview. So do pop along and have a read if that kind of thing interests you. Anyway, falling out of all of that, I've backed four players and I've left the very top of the market alone. I've left Paul Casey alone. Um, I've left Tommy Fleetwood alone. I mean, for me, those players have got a bigger eye on next week. This is probably just a, a tool sharpening exercise. And um, yeah, I'm not saying if they get in position, they don't win. Of course they could. But uh, both of them have got to, got, to, got to shoot something like 25 under par to win, which is not really what we come to expect of either of those guys. And um, I think the bigger prize, or I bet the bigger prize is un, you know, undeniably next week. So I've looked a little bit further down. I've started with Minwoo Lee. Um, I've got a little bit of 28s yesterday. He's 25 to 1 currently. I still think that's a great price for a player of his quality. Um, it's been a fantastic year for the talented young Aussie as well, hasn't it? He's sixth now in the race to Dubai and he's done that the hard way. You look at a lot of those players in the top 10 of the race to Dubai, they've got their points by performing well in the majors or the WGCs. Uh, not Minwin Lee, the other player who's, who's got there by, by the hard way effectively was Richard Bland, who's in the top 10 as well. Um, but Minwoo Lee, again, he won the uh, Scottish Open at Rolex Series level um, a few months back. He shot 65-64 over the weekend, so he can go low when, uh, when he gets the chance. Um, he was second at Valderrama recently, which I really don't think fits, so that gives us an idea of how well he's striking the ball. He was eighth last week in Portugal as well. As well, And this kind of exposed track, that's exactly his game. I mean, he's, we've already seen um, him proving his worth on linksy style seaside tracks. He also won the Vic Open along, as well as that uh, Scottish Open victory. And then over time, I, I'm sure we'll see him rack up lots of form, lots of wins potentially in the desert. Um, he's got a little bit of desert form, fourth at the Saudi International last year. It's a good pointer, I think. Um, I think he can keep the flag flying for the Australians after Lucas Herbert won what, a week or so ago now and uh, over on the PGA Tour. I think he's uh, he's going to be motivated to keep himself right up there in the race to Dubai um, at uh, yeah a general 25 to 1 now. So Minwoo Lee's in. Um, I've also backed Dean Bermester. Uh, again, he was early 33s to 1. There's still some 28s out there. And again, I still think that's well worth um, well worth taking that kind of price. And uh, I had him in mind for this before he won the South African PGA Championship over the weekend um, on the Sunshine Tour, and I'll stick to my guns. How often does that happen? You you, you start doing some pre-analysis at the back end of the week before, and uh, some some guys really stick out, and they're just praying they don't go and uh, snare some decent finish or a low-grade win, and uh, that's exactly what he but, did. But but Paul, what how, how often have we also seen? George Co- Coetzee and Brandon Grace win in South Africa and then come on the European Tour and win the oh, following yeah. outing. Yeah, yeah, it does. Happens yeah, a lot. Yeah, it does happen. And, you know, Has done that as well? I'm yeah, sure Bezadenhut's done that as well, hasn't he? Yeah, there's there's a, there's a few. And you're right, Coetzee is a great example. And uh, Brandon Grace has done it literally back-to-back weeks as well, as you mm. said. So, yeah, I, I didn't let it put me off. I mean, I it did raise a question for me, I must say. And I did go back and rethink as to whether it was the right thing to do because it's put a lid on his price to a certain degree. And um, The flip side, of course, is to say, well, he's, he's scoring really well. He's, um, he's, his confidence has got to be high. And um, There's a quote I've put in my preview as well about how he wants to push on users as a springboard to help look after his family um, financially, I guess. Um, he's up to a career best now of 86 from the world rankings. And uh, given, yeah. he, given he enjoys um, playing in the desert so much, he's got two desert events here this week and next. And at 86, it's not out of the realms of possibility that he can be getting close to the top 50 of the world if he can absolutely smash this week and next. So, yeah, I think 19 from the race to Dubai as well. He can do some damage with a couple of good weeks, I think. 
Uh, for me, I mean, the reason I, I, I had him um, shortlisted is there's loads of correlation between him and last year's winner, Antoine Rosner, um, in terms of stats. He's right up there for driving distance. He's right up there for bogey avoidance and scrambling, which if you're going to keep um, you know, your foot to the floor this week, you've got to be making sure you do save those pars at the odd chance or the odd time that you're not uh, looking at birdie. He won the Tenerife Open at 25 under, which is exactly the target score that we're looking for. Um, that was a little earlier this year. That was on um, Bermuda Greens as well. So he should be right at home here. And um, as I say, in terms of his uh, desert form, third at the Dubai Desert Classic, fourth twice next door at the Earth Course. And for me, this should be right up his alley, Dean Bermester. So, so yeah, th- those two were really quite straightforward for me. Um, I also added Victor Perez at 40 to 1. I took the extra places with Perez. I could have taken 45s, but... Um, the words of Barry have been ringing in my ears for weeks and months now, so I've, I've, I've relented there. And still some 45 out there if you do fancy short, uh, shorter each way places, but um, yeah, it's pick your poison effectively. Um, and Victor Perez, yeah, perhaps now that the Ryder Cup's well and truly in the rearview mirror, we'll see a return to form for the Frenchman. Um, he was in great form. He was in a great spot, actually, wasn't he, for the um, for the Ryder Cup after winning the Dunhill Lynx um, back at the start of the qualifying period. He was runner-up in Turkey, runner-up in Abu Dhabi, um, all of this before lockdown. And then the rules changed, the world changed, and... Um, it didn't quite go to plan. Even so, though, he finished second at Wentworth, seventh at the Earth Course next door last December, uh, fourth in Saudi. It went over to the US. He was ninth at the Players' Championship at CP- TPC Sawgrass. He got through to the uh, semi-finals at the WGC match play. I mean, he looked like the real deal at the time. He was up to world best in the world rankings, really strong. Um, and then just ran out of steam. Um, and, you know, was, was it the lure of the, or the... You know, the, the, the Ryder Cup in the distance that, um, that put him off or was it uh, ultimately just uh, just didn't have the uh, you know, didn't have the game to continue playing at that kind of level for so long. But you know, the summer was a write-off for him, really. Interesting then that he finished eighth last week after you know, maybe finally regrouping and getting his head around everything. Uh, the putter returned last week. He was second for strokes gained putting and that's really positive last week for a player who like Victor Perez who can be so good from tee to green um, and eighth on his debut at Villamora I, th- I think he can build on that and, uh, and potentially go and do well this week so uh, yeah, taking a chance on Victor Perez I've also taken a chance on Mike Lorenzo Vera 125 to 1 and um, slightly different rationale very different rationale with Mike Lorenzo Vera because he's had an awful year um, he's 148th in the race to Dubai. No win of any description to fall back on. So he needs a big week here. Um, if he's going to get full playing privilege, privilege, as I've said, there's this safety net. So it remains to be seen exactly how many stars he'll get should he finish in a similar position. But for all of these guys outside the 1 2 2, um, the closer they can get, I'm sure when it's all re ranked, the better they'll end up being. So um, needs must for players in that kind of position. As I say, it's been a poor season for the Frenchman. Um, there have been a few signs of life lately. 17th at the Spanish Open, and four rounds of 60s. That's the first time or only time that he's shot four rounds in the 60s this year. He was 20th, 25th at Valderrama, where the putter really started working again. And the putter's key for Mike Lorenzo Vera. Go back to those stats I read through earlier. He led the field here for strokes game putting last year when finishing second. And if the putter's starting to warm up for him, then he can do some damage on a course where um, your performance on the greens could ultimately be the difference between success or failure or second or seventh or whatever. Um, I think he can go well. I mean, the real key to this bet, though, is that he loves playing desert golf. Three top tens in Qatar from his last four starts. Eighth at the Dubai Desert Classic last year. Third at the Earth Course uh, the December before or November before. Second here at the Fire Course last year as well, as I've just mentioned. He loves playing this kind of um, this, this this kind of setup, this kind of course. So, um, taking a chance on Mike Lorenzo Vera. Um, and that completes my preview, or that completes the four that are back. Mike Lorenzo Vera, Victor Perez, Dean Bamesta, and Minwoo Lee at the top of the shop. Anyone catch your eye this week, Barry? I know you've been a bit off the uh, European <laughs> tour. Your love affair with the European tour seems to have been taking a bit of a knock in the last few weeks. But uh, anyone there catch your eye? 
Yeah, it's I don't know, burn burnout burnout, I guess, at this stage of the season. Um the I, I look I I think I've put a little one a little bet on Min Wu Lee. Um big fan of uh, Mike Lorenzo Vera, so I've um had a little bet on him as well for all the reasons you listed. Um I don't know why Lagergren um withdrew last week. No, I didn't find a d- definitive reason either. Perhaps, no. perhaps it was just something. Maybe, maybe he was just taking the week off and getting over to Dubai in advance and kind of just settling in there and getting a bit of work on the game. Um, I hope that's the reason. So I've stuck with it. Got him at uh, 66 to 1 with uh, the maximum number of places and boils, 8. Um, yeah, and then the other one I've backed is Francesco Laporta. Yeah, now he was last off my list, so you may have may have uh, put a yeah may have done the right thing there. He's he's form. He was right in the mix at Wentworth, wasn't he last month? Yeah, he's yeah. been playing the some Porter. good stuff. Yeah, he was seventh last week. He was second here um, last December. So mm-hmm. um, there's quite a lot. Well, no, there's an awful lot to like. I mean, Is it my imagination? Do a lot of the Italians spend lots of time in Dubai? Yeah, they use it as like a winter base, don't they? Or a yeah, tax haven, one or other. But they spend a lot of time out there, don't they, the Italians? Yeah, it's quite a few of the players generally who spend some time out there. The, the training facilities as well. But yes, but yeah, yeah. I, yeah I, 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 there's also a case for the, that he can back um, a top ten up with another because he's done it a couple of times in relatively recent times as well. So yeah, he went he went from fourth in the Italian Open to tied six in Wentworth. Yeah, and, um, that's right. Yeah. Back to back weeks, and he um, his last victory was the Challenge Tour um, Grand Final two years ago. But that, that's this time of year, so there's a little biorhythm um, angle in there as well. Played well last week, good here last year, and I thought um, the odds I got him at uh, fifty. I was able to boost him to fifty five to one, so I thought that was uh, reasonably appealing. Yeah, no, no, I, 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 I couldn't put you or anyone off backing him if you fancy him. Is um... Yeah, there's a fairly well, there's a strong case there. So, and he's going to be a popular boy. He's you know, he's got that classic combination of current and course form, and uh, it, it sticks out like a sore thumb, doesn't it? So, uh, so yeah, no, good luck with that, Barry. Good luck. Any from you, Steve? Just to add some meat on the bones to Minwoo Lee, it's worth mentioning that of course there isn't going to be any Australian action again this year. So, for someone like Minwoo Lee, who's 56th in the world. He's got this week and next week to try and get into that top 50, to get that Masters invite on his doormat before Christmas. Well, 56th, it's, it's, right, it's right there, isn't it? It's right there. He's right there. It's right in front of him. He's got in front of him Talal Gooch, Harmon Poulter, Higo, Eric Van Ruen, Mackenzie Hughes right now is on the cusp of 50th. And Ortiz, who we were mentioning a few minutes ago, is 49th. So, yeah, it's there in front of him. I do like the Bermester shout, and I also love that Laporta shout. So, yeah, I think my portfolio will be Minwoo Lee, Bermester, and Laporta. That Laporta, that feels very Antoine Rosner-like from last year. Just that consistency and percolating. Has Laporta ever won on the European tour? No, he's got the 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 the, the, um, the win that Barry was talking about was back yeah. on the uh, Challenge tour. So. The Challenge. So again, he'll be motivated, won't he? Knows he's playing well, close to a first ever European tour victory. Yeah, I can see that. I can definitely see that. So those those are the three I'm going for. Right. Similar events, really, on the basis this is only the second renewal of the Houston Open. They're playing it at Memorial Park. Um, of course, so we'll have only seen this course once. It was, um, as per ever with the PGA Tour, you, you don't know what what they're going to do in terms of course setup, but you kind of think that they might go down the road of getting the Houston Fire Brigade out and making those greens that were releasing last year a little bit softer, a little bit more receptive. I hope they don't do that. Um, they 
The other thing is, 2019 they played the Houston Open at the Golf Club of Houston, again in October, November time. And the greens and the conditions that week were pretty firm and fast as well. Because I'm thinking, don't forget, last year they played this the week before the November Masters. And you can kind of imagine the conversations, can't you? Oh, we, you know, we want to we want to get the players warmed up, like the Dustin Johnsons and the Brooks Kepkers. We want to give them conditions that kind of marry up to what they're going to see at Augusta next week. So we're going to let the conditions firm up a little bit. Um, the, the the really weird thing was that the conditions were firmer here than they actually were at Augusta when they got there the week after. But we won't go down that route. But I'm wondering because. The score here, I mean, let, let, let me put it this way. The cut line, bearing in mind this is a PGA Tour event, the cut line last year was three over. Now, that is not very PGA Tour, is it? The cut line, yes, I think the cut line last week at Mayakoba, this is far more PGA Tour, was four under. So you had a situation where last year, last week at Mike Over, the cut line was four under. The cut line this at this event last year was three over because that's how difficult the course played. So I'm trying. I tried to get in my mind. It's you know, without talking to a PJ Tour official, you'll never get your head around it. Is the is the course this year going to play as tough as it did last year? Memorial Park Golf Course. It's a seven thousand four hundred twelve yard par seventy. So straight away, my tingly senses are saying that's a 7,400-yard par 70. That's kind of the numbers you get at like a major championship in terms of length. So maybe we are going to see another stretching renewal simply because this golf course is so damn long. Uh, Carlos Ortiz won this last year at 13 under. And as I say, it's just not PGA Tour-like, is it, you know? Yesterday was like uh, yesterday we saw Victor Hovland win at twenty three under, not thirteen under. So, you know when you when you get these events that aren't a typically PGA Tour birdie fests, you just wonder are the conditions going to stay the same this year? But I think this golf course is pretty damn trippy. Um, so I think it's going to be a stretching affair again. Um, other things to note: it's a golf course that's kind of Parkland. Um, Holes with water hazards four. The fairways are Bermuda grass. The rough is Bermuda grass. One thing I did note, they've actually taken a quarter of an inch off the rough year on year. So it's going to be two and a quarter inches this year as opposed to uh, two and a half last year. Uh, but the secret really of this golf course last year was the, the greens themselves, 7,000 square feet, are so pretty chunky. But A, they feature mini Verdi Bermuda grass. That's a Bermuda grass you don't see very often on the PGA to a mini Verdi. And secondly, the stint meter last year was 12 to 12 and a half. So straight away, the greens were releasing. And as we know, you know people that watch golf all, every day, every week of the year, as soon as you get greens that are releasing, the scoring becomes far higher. It actually ranked as 8th of 51 courses for difficulty on the PGA Tour last year. And I think from my uh, from my preview, which of course is available at Golf Betting System, I think it played as the 3rd toughest non-major tournament. of Oh, sorry, the 5th toughest non-major course of 2020-21 season. And it's... I just think, you know, past 77,400 yards plus, I don't think this is going to be a birdie fest this week. I just can't see how it can be, really. Unless they've literally deposited tons and tons and tons of water over the whole course. Which they might have done, because it's the PGA Tour. Just from that Ultra Dwarf Bermuda Grass or Mini Verdi Ultra Dwarf um, perspective, other current PGA Tour stop-offs with Mini Verdi include... TPC Louisiana, where they played the Zurich Classic of New Orleans team event. East Lake, where they played the Tour Championship. Plus the old Houston Open. Uh, that was played at the Golf Club of Houston. I actually know that as Redstone for people that have been in the game for a long. It was Redstone Country Club, wasn't it? Or Golf Club. That also featured Mini Verdi, but 
they that was back in April, and back then they were actually overseeded green. So it's not a direct correlation. I'm doing my agronomy um, um, specialism here. Oh, uh, the other also a couple of courses when you go back in time that featured mini birdie. TPC Sawgrass, where they used to play the Players' Championship every year, that uh, that featured Mini Verdi prior to 2017. And Quail Hollow had a period, 2014 through 2016, where they had Mini Verdi greens. Just so happens that James Harm won one of those. But, uh, he's, I haven't tipped him out this week, James Harm. But yes, Mini Verdi greens also for a three-year stretch at Quail Hollow, 14 through 16, and anything prior to 2017 around TPC Sawgrass. That's interesting, really. Oh, I need to come up with another word that isn't interesting. I remember Jason Day did well in this tournament last year, and of course Jason Day is a TPC Sawgrass winner uh, on those old Mini Verdi greens, as was. So there's some ins if you want to have a look at tournaments that featured the same kind of uh, grass structure on the greens. The other thing about this course, though, the greens are large, but they are they're pronounced. They they have a runoff areas all around them, and that was causing utter mayhem last year because um, a lot of approach shots, you know. PJ Tour pros, they like aiming at pins, don't they? They don't go for 15 feet to the uh, centre of the green. They go straight for pins. And what was happening is pins tucked away, going for pins. They were missing their landing area by five, six feet. And all of a sudden, they're rolling off the greens into these chipping areas that were difficult to then control the chip or the putt back. And that's what kept the scoring so high because the greens are releasing and they are extremely contoured. So yeah, there's a few, um, just a few notes really. Now, we've only had run renewal here, as we know. And Carlos Ortiz was the victor. I think he had local ties, didn't he, Ortiz? That the crowd were kind of cheering it, cheering him as if um, he was a hometown boy. Whether it was um, he lives here or whether it's um, the fact he went to uni here, there was something like that going on. But just from a strokes game perspective, he was 31st for off the tee. He struggled to actually hit fairways. I think he only hit 50% of fairways, um, which does suggest that hitting fairways isn't really a prerequisite. He was 14th for approach, and this is really weird. He was second for strokes gained around the green. So he was a bit. He was playing Seve-esque around the greens. I expect there were a few chip-ins and, and the like. So actually, it was a weird strokes gained tee to green number of fifth, where actually it was around the green as opposed to off the tee or approach that was generating the biggest number. Fifth for a tee to green, he was also eight, a fifth for strokes gained putting. So his short game was on fire to win this 12 months ago. That, of course, is one renewal, and it doesn't mean the same will happen again. So I had a dig into why did Carlos Ortiz win this last year at 160 to 1? Well, it wasn't really um, blindingly obvious form in that he won it. He was 35th at the Zozo. He was 48th at the CJ Cup. He'd missed the cut at the Shriners and Sanderson Arms. Sanderson Sanderson Arms sounds like a pub. Sanderson Farms championship so he was playing okay he was getting better but he wasn't exactly red hot on form i just went and looked at the numbers that he was ranking on the pj tour prior to arriving here he was in the top 35 for ball striking he was 55th for total drive um he was also sorry top 55 for greens in reg and he was also in the top 80 for di uh, for dr driving distance or drives so he was banging it off the tee and actually, you look at who he was up against in the top of the leaderboard. It was Ortiz, it was Hideki Matsuama, it was Dustin Johnson. Um, Sam Burns and Jason Day actually went out in the last group with um, Carlos Ortiz. And in the group prior to that, Seb Straka, Dustin Johnson and our friend Aaron Wise, who keeps percolating at the moment. They're all bombers to me. They're all players that have got plenty of pop off the tee. And that's kind of where I'm at. 
I'm going for four players this week who, for me, have the adequate um, ability to give it plenty. Of, and a 7,400-yard past 70, I think you'd need a bit of pop, personally. That's the way I'm looking at it. Um, Dustin Johnson, Talor Gooch, Seb Stracker, all their top four finishes at the Golf Club of Houston, where they used to play this, as did Ortiz, I believe. So there's... Even though it's a different golf course, there seems to be a correlation between the old Houston Open host course and this Houston Open course. And the other thing that was interesting with Ortiz and Matsuama, if you actually looked at the season prior, um, so it would uh, this is where it gets complicated, isn't it? If you'd look, actually looked at the t- uh, the full season prior to this, so that would have ended at the Tour Championship in September prior to this bit of the full series in 2020. Ortiz was top 30 for scrambling on the PGA Tour and, and Matsuama was top 20 for scrambling the season before. So if you can get a player that's actually long off the tee, having a decent run with their irons and when they miss greens, because if they're going to be firm, fast and releasing again, you're going to have to be able to scramble, can actually have a scrambling game. I don't think you're going to be far wrong. You're not. That's lo- the ang- You're not looking That's for much, are you? <laughs> no. Uh, well, I'm not. And then you. And this is it. I mean, Dustin Johnson and Matsuama were a shot back of Ortiz last year. It kind of suggests that a bit of a bit of cream comes to the top on a on a golf course like this. Yeah. It's a not. And it, this is a point as well. And, and again. I could be completely wrong. All of a sudden, it could be 19 under wins this week because they've been out with the hoses and they've made it as soft as compliant as possible and it's your usual PGA Tour event. Hopefully, they haven't. But I, I actually think this is a course that will suit players that have a major championship calibre game. And you know- it's interesting when you, when you look at this, uh, just when you look at the betting heat because we've got Sam Burns as a 16-1 to favourite. Yeah. And you know what? It, like it would actually serve this tournament well to like to, to gain an identity by being a little bit more of a test. Yeah. Um, I know. I know. It's. Great. I know. It's not an amazing time of year for that to be a thing. But there are also, you know, there are player types on the tour that actually go better in the <clears throat> in the more testing conditions or the 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 more challenging um, course yeah. course setups and, and a different scoring profile to the event. Don't forget, this course is funded, and this tournament is funded by the Astros owner Jim Crane. Mm. So maybe he says, "Well, actually, I want my my tournament to be a test, my course to be a test." Let's hope he does. And I'm sure that if the if the, the guy that's pumping all the money in says that he wants a, a te- an actual testing golf course, not dissimilar to Jack Nicklaus at the Memorial, isn't it? Jack Nicklaus doesn't want his doesn't yeah. want Muirfield Village to be a thirty three under birdie fest. He says no. It's going to be a test. It's going to be thick, rough, releasing greens. Get on with it. There'll be some players that moan. They can miss the cut, and actually, we get a decent winner. So maybe, maybe Jim Crane's in the same boat. He wants his tournament to be a bit to actually have its own identity. And you've got to say that so it's actually attracted a decent field, isn't it? Burns, Scheffler, Sung Jae In, the Wolfman, Smith, Finau's playing it, Hatton, Kepka, who actually had um, some work in the. It's a Doak renovation, but. Kepka was a player consultant. Joaquin's playing. Scott Gooch is a good field wise. Carlos Ortiz and Patrick Reed. So Mark Leishman also a perennial major contender and a winner on difficult golf courses like Torrey Pines. So yeah, um, hopefully it continues in that vein. I've gone for four, and one of them isn't Russell Henley. You'll be glad to hear. So, uh, lump on Henley this week. I've gone down the Australian route. I've gone for Cam Smith. Two points each way, 25 to 1 with Paddy Power, eight places each way. Smith, he is a two-time... He's actually won on the PJ Tour three times. I've put in my preview, he's a two... uh, Anyway, I'll have a look at that. He's won twice at the Zurich Classic of New Orleans in that team of him. All of his professional wins have been on Bermuda grass greens and all of his professional wins have been preceded by a top 10 finish the outing before. 
I just thought to myself, and we know with Smith, he's a, he's a typical Australian. He does have a habit of winning in what you would classify as the Australian spring, i.e. the American fall. Leishman's the same, isn't he? You mentioned to me off my um, poll that Leishman has won the CIMB Classic and the Ned Bank in the fall set or the autumn section of the calendar. And we know with we know we know with Smith. I landed on Smith at the Masters last November for very much the same reason. He just seems to peak from October through November. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he sometimes get these. You know, we, we talk about Byrons quite a lot, don't we? But uh, as you say, some, sometimes the Australians are, are peaking, particularly for their big events that they would ordinarily have in December back at home, mm. which uh, as which they're not having. Yeah, sadly not happening. But that may put the emphasis on players having to, you know, focus on these weeks beforehand. Um, you know, like the like the work like the events over in uh, Dubai and of course uh, the the one that you're covering this week. 18th for ball striking, 48th for driving accuracy. He's first for greens and regulation so far in this embryonic section of the tour. But top 30 for scrambling both this season and last season. So I think Cam Smith. He's also got enough pop. Last year on the PJ Tour, he was in the top 60 driving distance all drives. So he doesn't mind getting the driver out. I think he's going to like this golf course. He's never played it before. But just that ability to be able to scramble when you're missing greens. And, of course, Smith is a fantastic putter. And as I said, all of his wins have been on Bermuda grass, including the Sony Open in 2020. I've put in my... I put it, I am a believer in biorhythms, Barry. So there you go. I've actually put that in my copy this week. I'm like you. In fact, you might have even sold me on this biorhythms thing. So there we go. Well, are you sold me on it? <laughs> me? Yeah, maybe. Oh, I sold it to you. Didn't yeah, I? maybe oh, we okay. both fed. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we both fed each other. That's <laughs> joint credit tied first. Here you go. This is an interesting one as well. I remember Morikawa, Victor Hovland, and. Matthew Wolfe, all hitting the PJ Tour at the same time in the summer of 2019. And this is a crazy... When you read this out, it's pretty damn mad. Morikawa now sits as the world number two with a couple of major victories amidst five PGA Tour victories total. Whilst um, Victor Hovland won his third PGA Tour title last week in Mexico, which took the Norwegian into the world's top time for the first time ever. Now, there's a there's a group of players right there, and you look at Matthew Wolf and you think, I mean, in any other kind of time, and this just shows you how quality players mature so quickly these days in the, on the PJ Tour. He's now sitting thirty first in the world, and actually has only won once on the PJ Tour. And in comparison to Hovland, and in com- in comparison to Morikawa, who he was competing with and beating regularly as an amateur, he's now actually in third place behind those two contemporaries. But you have to say, Wolf is playing some outstanding stuff right now. 17th at the Sanderson Farm, second at the Shriners when we were on, fifth last week at Mayakoba. And that Mayakoba golf course was not a Matthew Wolf golf course by any way, shapes or forms. Plotter's golf course, high accuracy, um, off the tee required. That isn't Wolf's game. And for, for him... To start so quickly, be the 36-hole leader, can't, you know, lose the plot on Saturday, but then come back with a fine closing round again on Sunday to lock in a top uh, five finish at Mayakoba. I thought on a golf course that didn't suit him, I think that was quite a mature performance from Wolf. Again, on a golf course where power off the tee and a major championship style of game is required. I think Wolf's game is in great shape this week. Don't forget, we talk about Morikawa, we talk about Hovland. From a major championship perspective, Wolf has performed far better than Victor because he's had a second place finish at the PGA Championship and the US Open in 2020. And even this year, amidst all of these, you know, confidence issues and mental um demons that he's been dealing with 
He was actually third after 36 holes and six after 54 holes at round Torrey Pine South in US Open conditions. So if this is if this is difficult releasing a, a, a tough golf course, I think Wolf um, doesn't necessarily fall. Or, he's, he's no, put it this way, he's not a birdie fest specialist. He can play major championship golf as well as anyone in this field. Potentially, so I've gone at the top two twenty-five to one chances, two points each way on both, uh, both with Paddy Power, Cam Smith, and Matthew Wolf. Are there anyone in this kind of sub fifty to one area that you two fancy this week? Right, yeah, for me, I've only backed one, and that is a guy that you've mentioned a couple of times, and that's Patrick Reed, and I, I think. Um, for you know, a course that does threaten to um, to be tough, and a course where maybe you know there'll only be a handful of players who get to double digits under par. If last year's anything to go by, then um, then that's right in his wheelhouse. And what was his second back at the Bermuda um, a couple of weeks ago? Should have missed the cut last week. Had an awful first round, and then came back through with a flying second round of sixty five. I think it was um, to, to make the cut last week. Um, didn't do anything from there, but you can't really expect that um, from the position he was in. He was absolute miles off the off the lead, and would have needed something dramatic to even get close. So, this is much more his game, I think. Uh, decent in the wind. If there's a bit of wind this week, decent uh, on Bermuda greens. A couple of top twenty finishes as well um, at, um, at the old Houston course that used to be used prior to this one. So. It's right. It's his price point, isn't it? We've talked about Patrick Reed's price point in the past and 40 to 1. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't say no. Just couldn't say no. In terms of weather, I must say it's it looks a little bit strange. It's going to be cold in the mornings and windy in the morning. So I think what you're going to see is AM, uh, the better scores first round leader PM on Thursday, and then it reverses on the Friday, where the tricky conditions will be morning, cold, then the wind dies down and it gets warmer in the afternoons. So I think it will level out across 36 holes. But first round leader, looking at the forecast, I'd be on I'd be on afternoon starters personally. Right, two more. I know I know time's ticking away. Jason Cokerag, 50 to 1. You just look at his resume, tough golf courses, plays well on them. I watched him very, very closely at the CJ Cup. He was grouped in a featured group because he was the defending champion. Uh, bearing in mind uh, it was it the Zozo or the CJ Cup? No, it was the CJ Cup, the one that they played at the Summit Club. He was grouped, defending champion, defending his first ever PJ Tour win. He was grouped with Justin Thomas and Rory McIlroy. And what does he do? He absolutely craps the bed. Shoots a 77 in round one, five over par, and he's last on the leaderboard. Uh, I think it was 17 shots back of Robert Streb, who was the first round leader. He absolutely had one of those moments where he's like, whoa, game falls apart. He was 16 shots worse than Robert Strepp. I'm not really interested in that. I'm more interested in what he did after that. He then shot 66, 65, 68. And for those final three rounds, he was 17 under par. Which actually, when you look at the tournament as a whole, was only just behind Colin Morikawa, and the tournament winner, Rory McIlroy. He shot 199 shots, which was level with Scott Anser, one back of Griot. Morikawa was 197, and McIlroy 195. So actually, Kokrag is in decent nick. That's what that tells me. Over the last uh, three rounds, he was only four back of Rory McIlroy, who was on fire. So I've gone for Kokrag at 50-1, to who I think this course will suit no end. I've also gone for a longer chop price, Keith Mitchell, we know that Mitchell can grind. We know that Mitchell is better on Bermuda grass greens. And a couple of tournaments ago, the CJ Cup, he finished in third spot. He's actually had a good good um, year, Mitchell. Um, and you just look at his record, PGA National, the winner there. He's had two top five finishes at Bay Hill. These are long, stretching, difficult golf courses. Yeah, he also has had third this year and eighth at Quail Hollow. So, yeah, I think he can roll the rock on Bermuda grass. I think he's decent on stretching more tricky tests. And 125 to 1 I got with William Hill eight places each way on Keith Mitchell. So those are my four. 
Mitchell, Coke Rag, Cam Smith, and Matthew Wolf. What about you, Baron? Uh, <clears throat> I've backed Seamus Power again. The guy's, yep. the guy's playing great. Can't argue with it. Um, no. So, yeah. Not, not much more to say about that. Uh, no. Off we go to the next. Solid. Yeah. And uh, just dipping around a bit and can't avoid him. Um, the odds are, are really, really long for him. And we're talking about a major championship course. This guy's a major champion. Showed some good form in Europe before a bit of a break. Had a miscut last week, um, but wasn't terrible. Uh, showed some birdies and performs well on Bermuda grass. So I've taken Henrik Stenson at 150 to 1, eight places. That Mini Verdi link, great record at the players, didn't he? One of players, didn't he, on Mini Verdi? Yeah, and you know, it's decent, um, a few good results at this particular event, not necessarily mm-hmm. this course. Did miss, no, the, no. did miss the cut last year, but you know, uh, for one hundred and fifty to one, I'll take it on. Francesco Molinari, two hundred to one this way. Who'd have, who'd have thought it? If you'd have said after the Ryder Cup at the Golf National that you'd be getting Francesco Molinari in 2021, latter end, at 200 to 1 on the PGA Tour, people would say you were crazy. Golfer. You really wonder how that happened. His swing looks so compact and tight and. Just, like, it just looks like something. It just can't really go that wrong. It's, uh, it's amazing. It just, it, He'd been going toe-to-toe with Tiger Woods at Augusta National of all places, which was completely non-Francesco Molinari golf course. That's how well that guy was playing back then. It's that 12th hole. You know, in those glory years. Can you imagine that that butterfly moment if he doesn't punch that ball into the water on 12? I mean, that is that is a sliding doors moment in his career from the outside perspective. I mean, he might say completely different, but... Um, it's, mm. It's amazing. I think that's us done then, chaps. Unless you've got anything else to add? No, all good. All good. Best of luck, guys. Good luck, everybody. Best yeah. of luck to you. Play well. Yeah, good luck. Play well, bet well. <laughs> I hope your players I play I should well. mention as a closing remark, actually, 10 places each way, Bog Sports, on the Houston Open. That's on top of the eight places each way that we are getting over in Dubai on the European Tour. Of course, we we do have that limited offer. Bet 10, get £30 in free bets offer with Bog Sports available this week and next week. So... As we keep saying, if you want to maximise your each-way places, the additional each-way places, Ball Sports number one in the market right now. Thank you for your time, gentlemen. I hope your bets go well. I hope that uh, your bets go well, listeners, and we will see you again next week. Goodbye. If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system It's the golf betting system